Hope you're having a blessed Monday and blessed Advent. If you like, you can listen to my reflection for the readings uh, for the second Sunday of Advent. This one is entitled, The Liturgy is for People Who Know Their Lives Are Messy. Is a good listen, and you can listen it, listen to it anywhere you get your podcast, or easier, you can just click on the link below in the description box. The podcast is called The Liturgical Sense of the Readings at Mass. So check it out at St. Dominic's Media or anywhere you get your podcast, The Liturgical Sense of the Readings at Mass. Please rate it and share it. I appreciate it. This is the David L. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason. Coming up, I have a monologue on the apex of the natural man. Also, a new pastor over at St. Joseph Catholic Church, Honey Creek, in Spring Dallas, Spring Branch, Texas, started off as homily, homily uh, this past, uh, I think the first Sunday Advent, in a very peculiar way. Also, a gentleman writes to, hey, David Gray, um, and he's talking about his wife only wants to have sex with him when he's wearing a condom. So that is the show today. Stay tuned. This is the David O. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason. Hovering over the skies of a post-Christian society, we have spotted a man with a donut in one hand oh. and rosary beads in another. Child, I'm about to whoop Satan's behind. He is boldly proclaiming truth and reason like no rigid Catholic ever has before. The David L. Gray Show begins now. The apex, the highest accomplishment of humans in their just their natural self is to put other humans in bondage. The reason why that work is the apex of the natural man is because the glory of humanity in his supernatural self that is in Christ is their participation in true freedom. Just as there's no greater freedom than being in Christ. There is no greater distance from God than being in bondage to sin and death. This is why when we look at Christ on a cross, we are witnessing the apex of the natural man, which was again bondage and death. They bound our Lord, imprisoned him, nailed him to the cross and gave him the death penalty. Yet Christ took the apex of the natural man, took the worst that man could do and demonstrated that sin has no power over God. Sin has no home in a divine nature. Even the worst that man can do was redeemed by God for our salvation. This is why St. Paul wrote uh, to the Romans, if God is for us, who can be against us? Even as Joseph informed his brothers, even though you meant harm to me, God meant it for good to achieve this present in the survival of many people. So the trajectory of the natural man is always enslavement and murder. Again, natural's man, natural man, his, his inclination is to sin is it always manifests in, in doing works that are truly inverse of the true good. Every time a pedophile, they'll tell you they love children. People who kill children in the womb tell you that it's a work of mercy. Imagine 
I just say one other thing, and just uh, without going into too many details, my own personal experience with abortion, and I don't think we talk about this enough, abortion can be another word for mercy. You see, the further a person is away from God, the darker they sound as they try to make what is evil sound good and what is good sound evil. The reason why we, they, 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 they must speak in these inverted words is because we were all created by the author of good and thereby incapable of desiring anything but good. Even when we do evil, we have to find some subjective good in it or we can't do it. Every bank robber will tell you all the good things they can do with the money they stole. Every drug dealer will, will tell you a story that, that justifies the people he killed and the lives he ruined. If you weren't a rapper, you'd be a... Uh, drug dealer. You, you still think you'd be a drug dealer? That shit was fun. Was it? Yeah. It's adrenaline rush. Ask anybody who really, anybody who's ever been really in the middle of the game. It's adrenaline rush that it's addictive. That's why people. It's 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 a very dangerous field. Yeah. <laughs> Job occupation, but the rush that you get, like, cause it's final. It's final. You could be sitting up and. The, the plugs house and the whole thing get raided and they're not going jail. they're tough they're not going right. to jail they just start shooting mm. you know it, it was just a rush with the whole what thing. was your favorite part about it did you like count the money did you like cutting the shit up would you like did you like serving motherfuckers the adrenaline like it's the life it's the a whole game. thing it's it's the whole just being in the game you like it's almost like being a rapper you know because you're your star and with you know whatever town you in you're the star there because you're the big guy in town and right you know, it's just the whole thing. Yeah, like, tell me about that. And he was like, you know, you got to be serious about this. You can't, you know, be playing about this. This is like serious. <laughs> you know, you got to not get high on your own supply. <laughs> and, you know, you got to be a man. But, you know, some of the things really stuck. I mean, funny, but some of the things like integrity and uh, I'm not promoting that anyone sell crack cocaine. <laughs> but the integrity and, you know, you know, these are the things that I, that today, to day to day, some of those things I survive on, my instincts. I didn't go to Wharton or Princeton or Harvard or anything like that to know business the way I, I believe I know it. It's just more so my instinct, things that I feel. And um, these are the things that I learned. So even as we, we sit here and watch China do to their population the same things that Hitler did not long ago, we have to remember this trajectory. In 2014, the Chinese, Commun Chinese Communist Party began imprisoning the, the Uyghur Muslims out of Zhejiang, who were basically political enemies of the Han Dynasty. China chose to protect the Han Dynasty. Uh, they were the winners. And from 2016 to today, the Chinese Communist Party has have put uh, these Uyghur Muslims in internment camps, slave labor, religious persecution, political indoctrination camps forced sterilization, committed forced abortion, and forced contraceptive over over one million Uyghurs. Keep in mind that in 1980 to about 2015, China's one-child policy was being practiced, and they knew, they, they, they realized how successful they were in reducing the birth rate of the people. So from 2016 to today, the Uyghurs' um, birth rate has fallen over 85%. So today, when we see a whole cities like Shanghai being locked down, people being herded into so-called quarantine camps 
for a largely survivable virus. You always have to remember the trajectory of the natural human inclination and how this all ends. It ends in death. And the world will be silent about it because the Chinese Communist Party owns the world and the political leaders in it. It controls the debt of nearly every country and through hacked elections and social influence. They have their men in key positions and there is no material thing that we can do about it. Though they might face some protests from their own people. Remember that for nearly a decade now, they have been moving towards their social credit system, which forces their population to worship the government. The people of China no longer have to please God and to pray for his grace because your success in the economy, in society, and your standing in society, it all depends on whether you have pleased the government and earned enough credits. China is now the apex of the natural man who is ruled by Satan. This is the world we live in. Slavery and death is the trajectory. In the United States, we have to realize that the Chinese Communist Party, they're the envy of every Democrat and many Republicans. People like Fauci drools over the COVID concentration camps in China. This is the trajectory. So keep watching, pray. And this is David O. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason. This is the David O. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason. If your name Jeff sent me this clip and asked me what I thought about it. So what you're watching is Father Lau Martinez of St. Joseph Honey Creek Parish in Spring Branch, Texas, tried to make a big deal out of the beginning of Advent season, which is the beginning of the Catholic uh, new liturgical year. Liturgical year, the year of grace of 2023. 20, so happening here, everyone. Well, you don't look very excited. I'm going to fix that. So please, everybody stand. And I'm going to give you some time so you can turn to right, left, back and front, and which your neighbors a happy new year. Hawks and kisses are allowed to. Please go ahead. One, two, three, go. Okie dokie, that's it. And now, now at the count of three, uh, we are going to, to say Happy New Year. I even came prepared to make some noise and, and celebration. Okay, so you guys ready? One, two, three. Happy New Year! Yeah. Please take a seat. Please take a seat. I promise I will clean my mess after. You know, I love the idea of a homily that talks about a, a new liturgical year and, and why it's a big deal and why we should be excited. But can someone please amend the general instruction of the Roman Missal to forbid all props? <laughs> I mean, have we had enough of that yet? 
I, I think all serious people are overseeing the red bags, the puppets, the bubbles, the guitars, and every other thing that some of these priests bring into the liturgy from the world. Paragraph 1082 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church says that in the church's liturgy, the divine blessing is fully revealed and communicated. The Father is acknowledged and adored as a source in the end of all the blessings of creation and salvation. In his word who became incarnate, died and rose for us. He filled us with his blessings. Through his word he poured into our hearts the gift that contains all gifts, the Holy Spirit. So yes, the liturgy of the Holy Mass is truly a divine space, a set-apart space. It is a space set apart from the world to bestow upon us God's favor and blessings. Therefore, why will we uncritically bring the world into the Mass? Why will we insert things into the Mass that remind us of the people, um, of people in their nat in a natural world and, and its trajectory towards sin and slavery. The, the idea of equating the new liturgical year to uh, a profane New Year's Eve celebration is odd. Well, when I think of New Year's Eve celebrations, I think of drunkenness. I drink. I think of hedonism. Moreover, what the liturgy is about is not <laughs> the new year, but the new covenant. The liturgy is the fulfillment of salvation in history, salvation history. And once we get the the liturgy of the get to the liturgy of the Holy Eucharist, it is a liturgy concerned with only one day in salvation, a day that we remember over and over again, because on that day we were given a gift of being superhuman. It's not the new year; it's the new covenant that we're remembering here. So I don't have much to say about the rest of the liturgy at this parish. It was largely reverent, and Father largely said the black and did the red at the Roman Missal. But I, I, I definitely would say to him that uh, you know he's smart enough, and I think imaginative enough, and eloquent enough to not have to rely on childish props to make serious points. This is David O. Gray, show voicing truth and reason. And now it's time for Hey David Gray. If you have a question you'd like to ask me, just inbox me, email me at david at davidlgray.info or inbox me, like I said, on the Facebook or direct message me on Twitter, drop a comment. And, you know, on the YouTube, I'll definitely see it. I'll get around to answering your question. I appreciate all the questions that you guys send in. So Steve asked, hey, David O'Gray, I want to ask you, what would you advise in my situation? My wife and I are Catholic. We have been married for, for over five, for five years now. And I would like to consider us as being faithful Catholics. But. We have had four miscarriages also during that time, and it's been very hard on both of us, but especially my wife. She is to the point now where she doesn't want to even have sex out of fear of getting pregnant and miscarrying again. 
She insists that if we do have sex, that I must wear a condom. We know the cap the church is against artificial contraception. But what should I do as a husband in this situation? Thank you for your perspective on this. I appreciate it. Signed, Steve in misery. <laughs> also, misery. <laughs> Good play on words, Steve. Thanks for the question. So I have some notes here. I have four points that I want to get to on this question. One of them is basic. One is hard. And then I have some advice. So the first thing I have to say that this is a non-starter. <laughs> you know, you have to remain open to life if you're a Catholic, if you're a human. Marriage is the only thing that we have to fend off in a world of, of its trajectory towards death. You have to remain open to life. Number two, marriage it has three components. It's unitive, it's procreative, and it's divine. It's unitive because it unites two persons. This is the only sacrament that takes two things and makes them one. It makes them one in spirit and in flesh and in a new person. In that way, it's procreative. It brings forth a new person. And it's divine in that way because we participated in God in that creative process. If you lose one of those, you don't have a whole marriage. Definitely not a divine marriage. It's wounded. It's broken. And it won't get any better. It's only going to get worse if you insert sin into the marriage. Number three, because um, conjugal love unites complementary beings, right? In, in marriage, you see that your bodies were met for each other, hers for yours, yours for hers. And just looking at y'all's bodies, they tell you they fit together. They're complementary. Uh, and uh, you're phallic, she's receptive. So in this way, conjugal love is a type is a type of communication. It's right up there with having two ears, two eyes, one mouth, one penis, one vagina. And it's important, it's a, an important part of spousal communication. In conjugal love, you're 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 being, you're, you open up all yourself to each other and you open up your futures together. In that sense of being open to children. So it's a very important form of communication conjugal love is may definitely not as important as, you know, hearing That's why we, they say we have two ears, right? we have two eyes, one mouth, right? I would say if we have five penises or if the penis didn't get tired, the order we get, right? I, I would say it's probably the most important, but it's not, but it's definitely one of the most important forms of communication. And so conjugal love is between spouses. So, just as your marriage is going to be harmed if you shut down one of your form of communications, if you stop talking to one another, if you stop listening, if you stop the eye contact, truly active, active listening with one another, the marriage is going to be damaged. Right. So the more you limit your forms of communication, including conjugal love as a form of communication, I mean, opening up yourself truly to one another and opening up your futures to one another through that type of conjugal love communication your marriage is going to be harmed. All right, number four, here's the hard one, right? I'll say, Steve, don't let your wife emasculate you. All contraception is a form of emasculation. It is the woman telling you that they just want you for utility, just to use you for sex. I want some of you, not all of you. I really don't want the consequences of being with you. For men, uh, contraception is a rejection of your masculinity. For a woman, contraception is a denial and rejection of your femininity. Contraception 
doesn't even turn us into a uh, fine doesn't even, using contraception doesn't even turn us into animals. Contraception is so unnatural it makes us less than animals. Even animals don't con- con- contracept themselves. So don't let your wife emasculate you. Don't go down this road. Is a road that will will lead to the end of your marriage. Stop. Full stop. And here's my advice. It's like similar to advice I gave, I think, last week. Pick one day a month, fast and pray for your wife. And don't make any compromises. Pick a day, don't eat food, and pray unceasingly for your wife. Start now. Second, y'all two started need to go. Y'all got to start going to adoration together, daily mass together, one of them. You got to do that. Uh, I would also say you have to take family planning classes together. Next, I think you have to look into adoption. Because what I heard, the more people look into adoption, like they, as soon as they adopt a child, they have a biological child. I, I don't know how that works, but I, I would say look into that. And I think, you know, it's just these these quick things, advice I gave you. The um, pray fast for your wife, go to adoration and daily mass together, take natural family planning looking to adopting a child. I think what, what you've noticed in all those pieces of advice is that I'm, a, I'm a giving you advice to, to encourage you to, to realize that this life is not all about you. <laughs> These practices will help you stop looking inward and start looking outward as being a Eucharistic people, giving yourself away. Because I think what contraception is, is selfish. Is a selfish behavior. So by the fact that your, your wife is turning inward versus turning outward shows that there's there. This is a dangerous moment in her spiritual life. It is. And so she has to, you know, together, both of you have to like turn this thing around, truly have this metanoia and start to look outward rather than inward. And those four, those pieces of advice I gave you. Um, of spiritual practices to do and just basic things to do will help you begin a work of no longer turning inward and being selfish and self-absorbed and start being a Eucharistic people. And also, you know, I have a word of encouragement um, just to tell you that you're not in a rare situation. Not at all. I think this is pretty common. And uh, you know, my wife and I, we were in that situation. I think back in 2018, I um, had a miscarriage. No, 2017, I had a miscarriage. And um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was really hard, right? I mean, it's really hard. I mean, you're looking forward to a child. And um, circumstances happen, right? And, and, and it's, it's hard. I think a lot of people go through this. I don't think it's rare at all. And even the idea of like the turning inward thing is, I don't think that's rare at all either. I hear that a lot um, from from couples, the contraception thing amongst Catholics, you know, versus different situations. So I don't think that, uh, you know, this this isn't rare at all. And, you know, the advice I'm giving you, I think, is what helped me, what helped us. Um just being open to life is essential and what helps that you know it's not like a sort of like a vacuum thing like oh yeah let's be open to life like what 
you know, you just can't be open. Being open to life, I would say, isn't just being open to having babies. Right? It, it, it's, it's a much bigger thing, being open to life, um, being truly pro-life. It's just a much bigger thing than just, just pregnancy. So, um, And so when we make our whole life about being open to life, then we find that we find more consistency, right? So I think what we find is that if we, if we want to shut down life in one area of our life, we've probably shut it down in other areas as well. Okay. So, and that's what, that, that, I think that's what happens. So we have to figure out, okay, how do we reverse that? And how do we make our whole life more consistent with who we want to be in, in one area, right? Um, the scripture that comes to mind is, you know, one that a lot of people know, obviously, is uh, in Matthew, seek, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added unto you. So, um, seeking God first in his righteousness is one of the most unselfish endeavors that we can have. So that's the work that we have to begin of not being selfish people. And then all these other things are going to follow. And that's why I think, like I said, people who open themselves up to adoption, you know, boom, you know, (laughs) they get pregnant for, you know, a lot of them. It's crazy. It's wild. But I think that's just how the grace of God works for a lot of people. And once we stop blocking God's grace in one area of our life, you know, it unlocks another area in another area. Next thing you know, you know, your, your cup is just overflowing. Oftentimes, that's, that's what we find, you know, not with everyone, obviously, but um, yeah. So again, thanks, Steve, for the question. Hope to help. And so what did you think of my answer for, for Steve, the advice that I gave? And I mean, you know, would you have said anything different? Do you have, can you relate to this Steve's question anyway? Do you have any other advice? So I'm looking forward to reading your comments below. But until then, until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and he's there for you. And blessings and shalom to you and to yours.